A father is corrupted by what he once loved. He used to be kind, he used to care, and he used to know what love was. In fact, it's in once being loved and losing love that has warped his mind and has shaped him into the old, bitter and spiteful man he is now. In People in the House And killing a human being can wreck the psyche of another. In fact, murder can plant the seed of insanity in one's mind that another could capitalize. And should that other, who wishes to capitalize, take the mind of the insane to the last of their wits, well, there's no escape. In your second tale, no escape. Welcome listeners to two old-time radio episodes. People in the House and No Escape, both tales were curly ones to clean up. I did well on the first one, I think, but the second tale was far trickier. Either way, both enjoyable. Now for one of the best parts of this episode, thanking my white tea warlords. The brilliant Matthew J. Bauer. Super Duper Maya. Divided by Zero, the ultimate hero, and I own cows, the Cow King. <laughs> Thank you so much for supporting this podcast at your tier. You are single-handedly responsible for the bounce in my step in every episode and every day. Just brilliant, and thank you so, so much. And my Earl Grey Enforcers. Chad Warren, Just Heather, Lee Bauer, Lorraine Crisanto, Mace Joe, Paige Marcini, Peter Raffelli, Michelangelo Iacone, and Robert Fisher. Thank you, you little lovelies, for all your support. And for all of you that support the show, I'm so, so lucky. Now listeners, turn your lights off, the sound up, and get all warm and cosy, and listen to some tales as old as, well the 1940s. <laughs> Enjoy. No, stay where you are. Do not break the stillness of this moment. For this is a time of mystery. A time when imagination is free and moves forward swiftly, silently. This is the haunting hour. The people in the house. All houses have their secrets. The house on East 67th Street in New York was no exception. Its rooms had seen the births and deaths of seven generations of Thatchers. And now they look down with despair upon the three people living within its walls. Evans Thatcher III... His son, Kendall. Kendall's lovely wife, Margaret. For evil and hatred stalked the rooms and took you by the throat when you entered the house. It was polite and hidden, but sinister. And present so strongly that you felt you could reach out and touch it. Margaret, come in, my dear. I've been waiting for you. Oh, 
I... I didn't know you were home. Aren't you forgetting something, my dear? I didn't know you were home, father. That's much better, Margaret. I only ask that you behave as any daughter should to a father-in-law. Where's Kendall, father? My dear, Kendall is only my son, but he's your husband. I'm surprised you should ask me his whereabouts. Most wives All right. Claim, sir. All right, Kendall isn't home. Let's stop acting. My dear child, I've never acted with you. It is you who pretends to like me. I take little pains to conceal my dislike of you. I hate you. I hate you more than I believed I could ever hate another human being. And if it weren't for Kendall, Why I... don't you divorce Kendall, my dear? I'd gladly pay for it. Kendall isn't the proper husband for you. You should have married a strong young detective. There was a suitable match for you. By the way, what was his name? Walters. Larry Walters. Oh, yes. I remember the name perfectly. Father. And I didn't marry him because I was in love with Kendall. Oh, come now, my dear. We both know the truth. You could hardly marry a representative of law and order if you told him the truth about yourself. But after tonight, why, I imagine that difficulty should be solved. Oh, you are completely vile. There's one thing you've never understood. A mind like yours can't understand it. I love Kendall more than I hate you. And I'm not going to leave him alone with you so that you can ruin him completely. Too bad that you can't afford to move out of my house into an apartment of your own, isn't it? I'm sure that if Kendall could get a job and support you, you'd be deliriously happy. Yes, I would. But you've taken good care to see that Kendall is too weak to go out in the world, haven't you? Now, my dear Margaret... Don't think I... I don't know what you're doing. You've hated Kendall since the day he was born and deliberately set out to ruin him by, by giving him everything he wanted. You've made Kendall so completely dependent upon you that he's afraid to leave. You've pampered him so that he's fit for nothing. You're insane. No, I'm not. I'm perfectly sane. I'm willing to stay here and fight you till I've made a man out of Kendall. We both walk out of this house together with our heads up. And I'll see you both dead and rotting first. Oh, good evening, Kendall. Did you take my message to the club? Yes, Father. Uh, Mr. Ainsley said there was no reply. Oh. Hello, Margaret. Hello, darling. Well, aren't you even going to kiss me? I haven't seen you since this morning. You bet I am. Nonsense, Kendall. Stop acting as if you were a newlywed instead of behaving like a man who's been married a whole year. Well, my mother and father were married 22 years, and he kissed her every night when he came home. There. You see, Father, kissing your wife. Kendall, and... come along upstairs. I want to talk to you. My dear Margaret, you'd better change. We're dining with some friends of mine. But Kendall and I had planned to eat home tonight, Father. Did you? I didn't. I don't very well see how you can. I left instructions that there was to be no marketing today and gave the servants the night off. Are you coming, Kendall? I, uh, yes, Father. I'll, I'll see you later, Margaret. I hate you, Evans Thatcher. I hate you. I wish you were dead. Is that you? Margaret, what is it? What's the matter? Larry, I've got to see you. you foolish, foolish child. I, oh, I, I must have a wrong number. No, you haven't, Margaret. You're in trouble. I, I'll be right over. No, no, you mustn't. You mustn't. Goodbye. 
Well, are we all ready? Margaret. You look beautiful in that dress. I'm afraid that the dress will have to go back, Kendall. But, Father, why? You said yourself... I changed my mind. I will not pay for it. I don't want you to pay for it. I didn't ask you to buy it. Oh, Kendall. Kendall, can't you see what he's doing to us? I don't want him to pay for anything of mine ever. Kendall, please. Please, let's get out of this house now. Margaret is hysterical, Kendall. She doesn't know what she's saying. She's just done something very stupid and childish, for which I'm afraid I must punish you, Kendall. No. No, I'm not going to stand by and see this again. You're not Come going to... Come here, Kendall. I'm sorry, Father, really. I'm sorry. I mean it. I'll never do it's it again. It's a little late for that, my dear. Come here, Kendall. You can have the telephone taken out, I promise. Please don't hit Kendall. <laughs> Please. Mr. Thatcher? Oh, come in, Mr. Walters. It was thoughtful of you to telephone, let me know you were coming. It enabled me to open the door myself. I don't like to let the servants know that I have detectives calling on me. Oh, you don't like detectives, Mr. Thatcher? Not in my house. As a matter of fact, though, I've been expecting a call from you for a few days now, ever since Margaret was so foolish as to telephone you the other night. As a matter of fact, Mr. Thatcher, that's just the reason for my visit. Margaret didn't sound at all well to me. Very observant of you, Mr. Walters. Margaret isn't well. She's a neurotic. That's funny. When I knew her, she was a perfectly healthy young lady. Perhaps. But now she's definitely neurotic. Then, of course, you've put her under the care of a physician. I dislike your attitude very much. Are you implying that my son and I aren't treating Margaret properly? Because if you are, you can get out now. Actually, you had no right in this house. I received you because I wanted to show you that there was no reason for Margaret's call to you the other night. Now I shall let you see Margaret. You can hear from her own lips what I've been telling you. Yeah, I'd like to see her. If you'll excuse me, I'll go up and bring her down myself. Thanks. I uh, won't offer you a drink. However, the radio is over there. If you wish to turn it on, it may help you pass the time. music to bring you a special bulletin. Andy Jim Carey broke out of the death house a little over four hours ago. Holy mackerel. With only two days before his execution, Dandy Jim became the first prisoner ever to escape from the death house. The police have thrown a dragnet all over the country and promise a speedy arrest. Keep tuned to this station for further details. Here he is, Margaret. Uh, please tell him how you feel. Hello, Margaret. Hello, Larry. I, I don't know what was the matter with me. I I was just upset and nervous. That, that, that's why I called you, Larry. Yeah, that's what Mr. Thatcher told me. Now, look here, Walters. I've stood for a lot from you because you were a friend of Margaret's. But I'm telling you, I'm not going to stand for any more insinuation. It won't do either Margaret or Kendall any good at all. Remember that, Margaret. I'm not insinuating anything, Mr. Thatcher, but I'm not a fool. I know darn well that Margaret called me for some reason. And I don't believe a word of what you're saying. All right. You've succeeded in making me do something that's very painful, both to me and Margaret. Please go, Larry. Please. I I don't need your help. I I don't want it. Don't worry, Margaret. I promise you that this won't affect Kendall at all. Now, Mr. Walters, here are the facts. Margaret's made a very good marriage. Yeah. 
I know. Exactly. A girl in Margaret's position has no right to expect to marry my son. You see, Mr. Walters, my son was brought up with everything in the world he wanted. His for the asking. Margaret, on the other hand, had a much different life. Much different. You mean that she wasn't spoiled? That and other things. If I did spoil Kendall, Mr. Walters, it's only natural. When a child's mother dies at the birth of a child, and a man has to be both father and mother, his son is apt to be in doubt. Or hated. Have you ever heard of dandy Jim Carey, Mr. Walters? Oh, of course. He's in the death house now, awaiting execution. You didn't know that he was Margaret's brother, did you? Oh. You see what your insinuations have made me do, Mr. Walters. Uh-huh. I see. But it may interest you to know that Dandy Jim escaped from the death house four hours ago. What? Thank heaven. I think that's your phone. I, I'll i answer it. I uh, wouldn't dream of it, my dear. I'll go. Margaret. Margaret, why didn't you tell me? I can see you're in a jam. Let me help. I can't, Larry. Just leave me alone. It's best that way. Hello? Believe me. Hello. Hello, answer there. But, Margaret, I only want to help. Believe me. Evidently, wrong number. Yeah. You seem to have a lot of them around this house. And now, Mr. Walters, I think there's nothing more for us to say to each other, so... Good uh, night. If you want me, Margaret. She'll know where to reach you. Good night, Mr. Walters. Now, my dear, we'll wait for the telephone to ring again. Only this time, when Mr. Walters isn't here, you will answer. No. No, I won't. I think you will. Won't you, my dear? I think you will. Won't you, my dear? It's Kendall. I want Kendall. Kendall won't help you. He never will. Stop it. Stop. All you have to do is to pick up the telephone and say what I tell you. Well, you wouldn't want to disappoint your brother, would you? He desperately wants to get in touch with you. All right. that was touching the lives of the people in the house on East 67th Street came swiftly to its violent conclusion. Evan Thatcher III was determined to dominate and rule his son, Kendall, at all costs. Hating his son from the day he was born, bringing him up a weakling by pampering him, he resented Kendall's marriage to Margaret Carey, a beautiful and strong-willed girl who is determined to break Evans Thatcher's hold over his son. Only Margaret had a brother, Dandy Jim Carey, who had escaped from the death house, is even now trying to get in touch with her, while she sits on a bench in Central Park waiting anxiously for Kendall. Oh, Margaret, I'm sorry, I'm late. I tried to get away before that. I... I know, darling. Sit down here, right next to you on the bench. <sighs> Oh, the park's beautiful at night, isn't it, Kendall? Mm. Gee, I look forward so much to sitting here quietly with you. 
It's the only time in the whole day that I'm happy. Do you think that's right, Kendall, darling? Huh? What do you mean? Well, there's two people so much in love and marriage. Should, should they be only happy when they can sneak away from the house they live in to sit in the park and hold hands? Oh, Margaret. I know, I know. I'm, I'm no good. Why don't you leave me? Oh, stop saying that, Kendall. Don't you realize that's just what your father wants? I know, I know, but there is just nothing I can do about it. But there is. You're going to have to make a decision, my darling. You're going to have to come away with me. I, I want to. So, so much. But I'm, I'm scared. We'll, we'll starve, Margaret. Well, we won't. I tell you, we won't. It's hopeless. Do, do you think that I could stand watching you work and support me? You wouldn't have to. You could go to work. I, I want to. But you know what happened when we tried it once before. Father saw to it that no one would hire me. And if I did get a job, he had me fired. Well, we, we made a mistake. We'll have to leave New York. Where will we go? What difference does it make? We'll be together and we'll be happy. But you won't have anything. I, I don't care so much for myself, but I couldn't stand it for you. That's not true, Kendall. Do you mean I'm lying? Do you mean that I really don't want to go with you? I mean that you're afraid to face the facts. You have no reason to be afraid for me. I, I wasn't wealthy before I married you and, and I wasn't unhappy. I am now. I won't be because I love you very much if we go away together. I don't care how little we have as long as we're people living together, supporting ourselves and and away from your father. Margaret, I will. We'll go away. We'll never see my father again. Oh, Kendall. Kendall, darling. Oh, when will we go, Kendall? Tomorrow? No, we... We'll have to make plans. Why? Your mind is made up, isn't it? Of course it is, but we can't just pack up and go like that. Why not? Well, there are... Well, there are things to do. We have to find a place to go, get the tickets. We'll go down to the station and get on the train. What difference does it make where we go? But we can't rush. We... Maybe... Oh. Oh. All right, Kendall. I, uh... I have an appointment now. With whom? Your father and my brother. I, uh, I don't suppose you want to come with me. No. No, uh, no, no, I, I, uh, I think it's better if I stay out of this. Yes, Kendall. I guess I have to face it. I, uh, think it's better if I stay out of your life, too. Permanently. Margaret. Yes, Kendall. I love you very much, but... You'll never break away from your father. As he told me, he's done too good a job. Well, you talk as if father were deliberately You don't see to... it. You'll never see it. Goodbye, Kendall. No, Margaret, wait. Wait. Come in, Margaret, my dear. It's cozy in here. Why did you make me tell Jim to meet us here? It's an ideal place, my dear. Who would ever think of looking for an escaped murderer in the Castle Chess Club? Are you going to help him get away? The question is premature, my dear. This reunion between beautiful sister and doomed brother appeals to my sense of the dramatic. That is why I brought you to the Castle Club tonight. I hope you realize the honor I've conferred upon you. The first woman ever to step foot in the Castle Chess Club. 
That was your idea, wasn't it? You're the president of the club, and you made them put that rule into effect. Why, yes, my dear. Now that you mention it, it was. You see, I I don't believe that a chess club is any place for a woman. That isn't the real reason. You hate women. You've hated us all ever since your wife died. And that's why you hate the son you think caused her death. Shout. Silence. Shouting doesn't change anything. I'm right. That's the explanation for you and everything you've done. You're impudent. And you should pay for it. I don't care. I'll do anything you want if you'll only help Jim get away. Do you realize, Margaret, that you're asking me to break the law? Aiding an escaped criminal? Stop it. I know all about you. How do you think I met Kendall? It was through Jim, of course. I knew that you were the leader in all the crooked business that Jim was doing. I begged him to stop, but he wouldn't. Thank you for being so frank. I often wondered how much you knew about me. And I know that it was your fault Jim killed Mr. Merritt. Hmm. Rather a bold knock for a man who's hiding. Open the door. Your brother will be glad to see you. Kendall! What do you mean by coming in here? I thought that you should know that... Well, I... I followed you. You followed me? For what reason? I specifically told you. I noticed Larry Walters following you, too, and I thought... I thought maybe there was some trouble. Well, it was very thoughtful of you, Kendall. Very thoughtful indeed. But as you see, there's nothing wrong. Margaret and I were just having a little chat. You can go now. Did you hear me, Kendall? I said you can go. I heard you, Father. Kendall, I want you to stay. You'll regret this, my dear Margaret. Go home, Kendall. If you won't do as I ask... Then I want Kendall to stay. I hope you heard what Margaret just said, Kendall. A deliberate attempt to blackmail your father and to do something unlawful. Well, I don't... I'm, I'm not... It's time I'm... you knew the truth, Kendall. We've been married a whole year, and if, if you're ever going to become a worthwhile person, now is the time. Margaret. You can't stop me now. I'm going to tell him. Kendall, you can prepare yourself for some vicious lies. Kendall, you're going to have to be strong enough to face the truth. Your father is a blackmailer. I don't believe it. No, no, Margaret, It's you're... true. After your mother died, when you were born, Evan Thatcher became a bitter, rotten old man. He used his position and his reputation to find out things about people, and and then he blackmailed Ridiculous. them. Ridiculous. But Margaret's father didn't need money. He, he liked to hurt. To see them squirm. He wanted to hurt the world because he'd been hurt. Kendrick, she hates me so much, she's trying to poison your mind against me. She hasn't one iota of proof. You covered your tracks well, didn't you? You had my brother Jim do all the dirty work for you. Didn't you ever wonder, Kendall, what business affairs your father and Jim could possibly have had together? Well, it did seem kind of peculiar. Kendall, go home. Let me handle this. I'll explain everything to you in the morning. My word of honor. But, Father... You I... have my word. Go home. Hello, everybody. This is a nice little family gathering. Jim! Stay where you are, Jim. Stay right where you are, or this gun might go off. Go on, Kendall. Get out. No. No, I'm staying. I want to hear all of this. Yeah. Tell your son how you double-crossed me with Merritt. Shut up. Why? What have I got to lose? If you don't kill me, the cops will. Why don't you tell your son how you made me pack a gun when I went to Merritt's and how you knew he'd have one, too? So it's true. Margaret wasn't lying. You are an evil old man. One more step, Jimmy, you'll be dead. Jim, wait. Mr. Thatcher will help you to get away. Wait now, sis. But he could have helped me, he folded. And I kept my mouth shut in court for him. Now we'll have the truth. You didn't accuse me because no one would have believed you. I was too careful. What's the difference? If 
First I'm going to kill you, and then I'm going to die happy. So get out of my way, Kendall. Stand back, Kendall. He's not going to hurt me. I'm going to kill him. I won't be blamed for it. He's an escaped convict. I'll tell. I swear I'll tell. I'll tell the police just how it happened. You're not going to be alive to tell anyone anything. Kendall, stand back. You're not going to shoot, Father, or you'll have to shoot me first. Get out of my way. Are you crazy? No, Father. Just seeing you as you really are. I'm growing up, Father. You idiot. These fools can ruin me. I'm going to say that Jim killed Margaret. Then we took the gun away from you. But I had to shoot him in self-defense. All right. Hold it. Everybody reach. Oh, thank heavens you come, Walters. You can arrest this convict. And you, Mr. Thatcher. Now I know why you dislike detectives. Drop that gun. Come along, Jim. Give me that gun, Thatcher. Give it to me, Give it up. Break 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 it up. Imagination is free and moves forward swiftly, silently. This is The Haunting Hour. Considerable imagination enters into the planning of the supposedly perfect murder. 
considerable imagination is used so that time, place, alibi, and evidence are dealt with conclusively. Yet the most important piece of evidence that can expose the murderer and his crime is most often left intact. His imagination. His mind. Eight o'clock of a foggy April evening. Paul Perry in his penthouse apartment overlooking a backyard of rubbish and the East River. He's very busy tonight, planning murder. Simple murder. First, he prepares his prop. A chair is in the way. An end table obscures the path just a little. And that floor lamp might be turned over and broken in his rush to the window. The window. That's right. The window. The window through which Paul Perry will fling his wife and watch her plunge 16 floors to the yard below. Simple and final murder. The stage has been set. But first, there is a witness to dispose of. Excuse me, Mr. Perry. But what should I do about Mrs. Perry's dinner? It's getting cold. Never mind, Hannah. Mrs. Perry is probably eating out. Yes, sir. Uh, will there be anything else, Mr. Perry? No. No, I don't think so. As soon as you finish your work, Hannah, you can take the evening off. The stage has been set. But Mrs. Perry is working to foil her own murder. Wearing her gray coat and a red pork pie hat, Mrs. Perry left her penthouse apartment in the afternoon. Now it is after eight o'clock. And where is Mrs. Perry? Fourth Precinct Homicide, Lieutenant Dugan speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My name is Joan Perry. Mrs. Joan Perry. And I want you to protect me from my husband. Hold everything, lady. You're in the wrong division. This is homicide. I know. My husband is planning to murder me. How do you know? I know. Has he threatened you? No. Have you any evidence of his planning to murder you? No. Well, I give up. Why does he want to murder you? Because I won't give him a divorce. Oh, you've got to protect me. He's going to kill me. I know, I tell you, I know. Has he hit you or beaten you at any time? Oh, no. Are there any grounds on which we can issue a warrant for his arrest? I don't want him arrested. Then he'll suspect it, I know. Then what do you want from me? I want you to protect me. Well, lady, you're in the wrong place. What you need is a private bodyguard. Excuse me. Fourth Precinct, Homicide, Lieutenant Dugan speaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold it. Mrs. Perry! I'll call you back in a minute. Mrs. Perry! Give me the front desk. Hey, Joe. A lady wearing a great coat and a red hat is leaving the building. Stop her. Oh. No, never mind. Something's wrong with the switch. The lights don't go on. Paul. Paul. Hannah. Is anybody...
Good morning, Mr. Perry. Good morning, Hannah. Well, you needn't bother with a setting for Mrs. Perry. She called last night to say that she was staying at her mother's for a few days. Yes, sir. Well, what's on the menu this morning? Orange juice, eggs and sausages, cake and coffee. Great. I'm hungry. I'll get it, Mr. Perry. delivery boy from the cleaners to pick up Mrs. Perry's clothes. It's the... what? The delivery boy for Mrs. Perry's clothes. Tell the boy to come in here. Oh, you, you want the delivery boy in here? Yes, bring him in. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, Mr. Perry. Shouldn't have jumped down Hannah's throat like that. It's probably some mistake. Now, what's cooking, mister? You're here for Mrs. Perry's clothes? You got it the first time. Well, when did she give you the order? She was in the store first thing this morning. She came into your store this morning? That's right. And hey, what is this, a third degree? Huh? Oh, no. No. You see, Mrs. Perry is staying at her mother's for a few days, and this sounds like a practical joke. Can you describe her? And how? She's kind of neat looking, and she was wearing a gray coat with a red hat, if you call it a hat. That's Joan. But last night... Look, uh, do I get the clothes or don't I? What? Oh... You'd better come back some other time. Why don't you say so in the first place? I haven't got all day to hang around. Maybe she's all right. Maybe she didn't get hurt. Oh, but that's ridiculous. Sixteen stories down to the yard and no ledges to land on while falling. I'd better make certain. No. No, it's a clean drop down to the yard. Can't see her from here with this fog. Maybe she's not there. But she's got to be. She's got to. I'd better get down to see for myself. Can't see her. But she's here someplace. You just don't get up and walk away after you fall 16 floors. You don't. No, you don't. Maybe behind this box. No. No, she's not here. She's not here. Joan! Joan, where are you? Why are you hiding? Better watch it. I'm starting to act like a lunatic. There must be a logical explanation to all this. Maybe. Maybe she fell into the river. Yes. Yes, that's it. She fell into the river and was swept away with a current. <laughs> Who was in the tailor shop this morning? Yes, Hannah? What is it? There's a man here to see Mrs. Perry. Well, did you tell him she's away for a few days? He says Mrs. Perry made an appointment to see him here. Where is he? In the foyer. All right, tell him I'll see him. Yes, sir. How do you do, Mr. Perry? Harvey's my name. Hope I'm not disturbing you. But your wife made an appointment this morning to see me today at 2.30, and here it is, 2.30, right on the button. Always prop. That's me. It inspires confidence. You saw my wife this morning? Just missed her by a few minutes. I get to my office at 10 every morning, right on the button. Always prop, but... <laughs> yes, I was a little late this morning. Well, then, with whom did she make that appointment? My secretary took care of the details. <clears throat> she opens the office every morning. A very efficient young lady, Miss Shepard is. Yes, sir, very efficient. Mr. Harvey, I think your secretary made a mistake. What? Uh, by what do you mean? Well, you see, my wife couldn't have been in your office this morning because she's with her mother in the country since last night. I 
must be two other people. By gosh, this is something, isn't it? I wonder how Miss Shepard made such a mistake. She's very efficient. Do you mind if I use your phone? I'd like to call my office. Help yourself. Thank you. I'm sorry to be such a nuisance. Hello? Miss Shepard? Harvey speaking. I'm checking on that 2.30 appointment you arranged for me this morning. There seems to be some misunderstanding. Yes? Yes, Mrs. Perry. And the address? By gosh, that's right. Just a moment. Well, Mr. Perry, my secretary just confirmed this meeting. She herself spoke to your wife this morning. Ask her to describe, Mrs. Perry. Well, Miss Shepard, what did this uh, Mrs. Perry look like? Yes, young, good-looking, wearing a gray coat and a red hat. Just a moment. Anything else, Mr. Perry? No. That's all, Miss Shepard. I'll be back at the office within the hour. Goodbye. Oh, I'm calling my wife at dinner time, and I'll ask her about it. Sorry that you had to come here on a wild goose chase. Oh, it's all in the day's work. Well, by the way, if you should ever want to get in touch with me, here's my card. Good day. Frank Harvey, broker, life insurance, accident insurance. Hello, Mimi, darling. Oh, I was wondering when you call. What time are you coming over? About seven. Uh, Mimi. Yes? Uh, do you know a man by the name of Frank Harvey? No. Should I? I don't know. Is anything wrong? Wrong? I know there's nothing wrong, but it's a little late for April Fool's Day. Are you sure you're all right? You sound as if this fog is getting you. The fog? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. See you at seven. I'll be waiting. She said the fog is getting me. The fog. Maybe it is. Hello? I'd like to speak with Mr. Paul Perry. Speaking. My name is Baxter. I'm the credit manager at the Mapleton Department Store. Very interesting. There's a Mrs. Perry here, and she wants to open a charge account with us. She tells... There's a who? Mrs. Perry. Mrs. Joan Perry. And she's in the store now? Why, certainly. What does she look like? Describe her. What's she wearing? Just a moment. She's wearing a gray coat and a red hat. Keep her there. Don't let her get away. I'll be right over. Paul Perry had planned the perfect crime. He decided to do away with his wife, Joan, in order to marry Mimi Foster. He hit his wife over the head and threw her out of the window to the backyard, 16 stories below. But, strangely, the next day, there were indications she might not have been killed despite her fall. First, her body was not to be found when Paul went to the yard to look for it. Then, several people told him they had spoken with his wife that very day. And finally... When Mr. Baxter, the credit manager of the Mapleton Department Store, called him to say Mrs. Perry was in his office to open a charge account, Paul frantically told him to keep her there. Which way to the credit manager's office? Take an aisle on your left. Yes? Well, where is she? Where is who? My wife, Joan Perry. You called and said she was here. Well, where is she? I'm sure I don't know. Someone called me a few minutes ago, said his name was Baxter. Is your name Baxter? Yes. I didn't call you. It's 
trap. That's what it is. A trap. And I walked right into it. But who wants to trap me? Who? That man on the phone said his name was Baxter. It wasn't Baxter. Whoever he is, he can't know anything. Say, maybe I didn't get a phone call from Baxter. Maybe I'm just letting my imagination run away with me. Yes. Yes, that's it. No one called. No one. It's a delivery boy from the cleaners to pick up Mrs. Perry's clothes. Look, do I get the clothes or don't I? Hurry, Your wife made an appointment. Always drunk. That's me. Stop it! Stop it! I've got to get hold of myself. I can't give myself away to Mimi. Hello, darling. Sorry I'm late, Mimi. I suppose you had the usual trouble trying to get away from your wife. She's not home. Mimi. Mimi, let's go away. Far away. Someplace where no one will know us. Where no one will bother us. It wouldn't be right. Okay, then forget it. Forget it for now, anyway. Come on, let's get going. All right, darling. I'll be ready in a minute. Hope the fog lets up soon. Might as well be in London. How do you like it? How do you like my new hat? Where did you get it? I just bought it today. Take it off. Take it off? Why? I like it. I said take it off. It's Joan's hat. Oh, Paul, why must everything remind you of Joan? Take it off! All right. I'll take it off. I'm sorry. It's just that I hate her so. I know. Darling, let's not stay here all night gabbing about her. We're going out to have fun. Yes. Yes, we're going out to have fun. All right, then. Let's go. Where to? Haven't you heard? The circus is in town. I haven't had such fun since I was a kid. I'm glad. Darling, we'll always have fun, won't we? Of course, dear. Why did you ask? Nothing or nobody will stand in our way. Now, stop being morbid. Come on, I want to see the sideshows. Hello, Mimi. Frank, Frank, how are you? Oh, I almost forgot. Frank, this is Paul Perry. Oh, it's all right, Mimi. I've already met Mr. Harvey. Harvey? Paul, this is Frank Dugan. I don't know by what name you know him, but he was at my house this afternoon as Mr. Harvey. Oh, by the way, Mr. Harvey, did you sell many insurance policies today? Look, Paul, a joke's a joke. Just a minute, Mimi. I'm afraid, my friend, that you're confusing me with someone else. I've never seen you before in my life, and my name isn't Harvey. Well, if that's the way you want it, pleased to meet you, Mr. Dugan. Same here. Well, I have to look for my friend. Call me, Frank, when you get a free moment. I will, Mimi. Goodbye. Goodbye, Frank. Now, Paul, what was all this nonsense about some insurance? I tell you, Mimi, that man came to see Joan this afternoon about some insurance. Either you're drunk or you're imagining things. And I haven't seen you take a drink in the last two hours. That Dugan or Harvey even gave me his business card. So what? So what? That card said Frank Harvey, broker, life insurance, accident insurance. Harvey may have given you such a card, but I'm certain that Frank Dugan didn't. What makes you so certain that Dugan and Harvey aren't one and the same person? Because Frank Dugan happens to be a police lieutenant with the homicide squad. You've been acting strangely all evening. Strangely? Please, darling, don't nag. Oh, I'm sorry. It's just that I'm worried. What about? You, silly. There's nothing to worry about. I hope you're right. Maybe... Maybe I'm imagining things. 
Maybe I never saw Harvey. But he gave me that business card. At least, at least I think he did. That card. I must get that card. It's in my blue suit, I think. And I've got to get rid of me. I've got to get home and find that card. Thanks for taking me home, darling. I'll call you in the morning. You're so abrupt. It's as if you're anxious to get rid of me. I've got to get home. Good night, Mimi. having nightmares. For a while, I was beginning to doubt my own sanity. But here it is, all right. Now, now to find the house. 75 Johnson Place. Hello. Has Lieutenant Dugan come in yet? In 15 minutes? Well, please tell him that Mimi Foster called. I think that something's happened to Mr. Paul Perry. Will you tell him to meet me at Mr. Perry's apartment on East 73rd Street the moment he comes in? Thank you. Goodbye. Hey, buddy. Can you help a fellow out? What's that? I ain't had nothing to eat all day, mister. You spare a dime? I'm hungry, mister. I've been hungry all day. Uh, I'll make it worth your while if you'll tell me where Johnson Place is. Oh, this is Johnson Place. What number? 75. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's right along here. Come on, I'll show you, mister. And it's 67, 71, and there's an empty lot. Yeah, and it's right here. This 79. There is no 75. Maybe it's on the other side of the street. No, no, there's nothing on the other side of the street. Empty spaces, only empty spaces. Hello, Paul. What? What are you doing here? In front of my door. I was worried, and when I called and there was no answer, I came right over. I didn't phone from the lobby. I came right up in the elevator. I was just ringing your doorbell. Where were you? I I just stepped out for a pack of cigarettes. Come in. Sit down. Paul? Yes? What's eating you? Not a thing. I feel great. Before, at the circus, I you... took a walk in the park. Sit down. I'll get you a drink. You look as if you could use one. Just like last night. The same scene. Same part. The path to the window in the living room. Hannah out for the evening. But tonight I have a new leading lady. Well, what shall we drink to? Let's toast your quick divorcing. Our happy marriage. Very nicely put. And I drink to you, my sweet little double-crossing wench. I'm going home, you're drunk. You're not going home. Sit down. What do you want? This is goodbye. Well, that suits me fine. Goodbye. Sit down. You don't understand. This is goodbye. No. Jubin can't help you now. Nobody helped Joan last night. Joan? Where were you watching from when she went out the window? Go on. Go on. Yell your head off. You'll never be heard above those river noises. Paul, I don't want to die. Oh, it doesn't. 
<laughs> it's as easy as falling off a lock. Why? Why do you want to kill me? No. Because you're trying to throw me over for Dugan. No. Because you're going to turn me in so that I can't stand in your way. No. Because I killed for you in the first place. No, no, no. That's not true. I didn't know about Joan until you told me, and I love you, you poor fool. I love you. Oh, you lie. I don't believe it's you. It's the truth. You think you can trick me again like you've been doing all day? I don't know what you're talking about. First for the cleaners, dressing up as Joan, then getting Dugan to pose as a phony insurance salesman. No, tonight at the circus was the first time I've seen Frank in a month. <laughs> it's a shame. You would have made a great actress. You've got to believe me. I'm telling the truth. No. No, please. Please. Paul. No. <laughs> I got here just in time. <laughs> Frank, Frank, he suddenly went crazy. No, he didn't. He's the same as you are, Mimi. Wait till I put the cuffs on him. I'm not dead. No. No, I'm not dead. Well, that'll keep you, Perry. You're under arrest. I'll sue the state for this. Oh, no, you won't. Murder is a tough rap to beat. You're crazy. You can't prove murder without the corpus delicti. Mrs. Perry, or what there's left of her, is on a slab at the morgue. I was too late last night. But she jumped. Just as Mimi almost jumped. No good, Perry. Besides, I heard your confession. Frank, how did you know? We expected the second attempt at murder. We couldn't prevent the first, but you weren't in any danger, Mimi. We knew exactly what he would do step by step. We planned it so. What do you mean? We knew he killed his wife, but we needed a confession. So we worked on the only part of him we knew would be vulnerable. His mind. No matter how well planned a murder may be, the murderer can't escape himself. No matter how you look at it, there's no escape. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed both tales tonight. The second one was a little hard to hear, as the audio sort of derailed at the end there. The kicker at the end of the No Escape story, in case you're wondering what the end was all about, was that her husband had killed in the past, and the police tried to catch him, playing off hers and her husband's thoughts to catch their husband out, and they did via a paranoid confession. Some good old mind trickery right there. Hope you all love this episode. This Wednesday and Friday, mates, I may not have a creepy story episode, currently doing a renovation in the house I'm in, and it's going to have me in a space that I might not be able to record in. However, in saying this, I'll endeavor to bring you your episodes. If I can't talk, what I'll do is a special week of edited, remastered, old-time radio stories from different places than usual to bring you something instead of nothing. Then flip it the next week to only no sleeps, creepy pastors, and scary tales. Yes, I'll think I'll do just that. In fact, I'll start working on them now so I can bring you some old-time ready episodes sooner rather than later. So, my lovelies, thank you so much for being awesome, and I'll see you Wednesday. As always, till next, we meet.